I hear birds singing at one point this morning. I did not think that would happen earlier today. But this time of year, for some people, gets them excited about baseball. I'm not generally excited about baseball. I know quite a few of you are. And uh, anticipating uh, spring practice and all the things that come therein. Um, when I think about baseball, I always think about that, that player that comes up to uh, home plate ready to, to swing. But you know, the, the standard operating procedure, they always take the bat and point to where they're going to hit it. And then they get up and, and it's always interesting to see will they actually get it there. Um, sometimes you actually see that happen and when that does, it's a little impressive. I've, I've never done that, mainly because um, it would look something like this. <laughs> just not quite the same, you know. <laughs> um, doesn't doesn't inspire intimidation or anything like that. Um, what's fascinating is is when you see someone make a call that uh, they actually have some control in making it happen. I want to take you to a text in Luke chapter twenty three, where Jesus makes an improbable call. From home plate. Uh, Luke 23, we're going to look primarily at the passage 39 through 43. And Jesus makes a call as he's dying as to what's going to happen after he dies. And it's impressive. I mean, it's one thing to see someone do that at a baseball diamond. But to do this from a cross and to say that this is what's going to happen today, it's quite uh, amazing. When someone's dying, what do they say about after they die? Luke 30, uh, 23, verse 39 through 43. And uh, I think for us to capture the, the moment of everything, let's start with reading verse 26. And in honor of this being God's word, let's stand as we read together. Luke 23, verse 26. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. Jesus is ever the prophet, says, but turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. And then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it's dry? And to others who are criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one of his right and one of his left. And Jesus, ever the priest, says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. 
The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanging, hanged, railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, <coughs> since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he, ever the king, said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You may be seated. (coughs) 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 When Joshua was with us, one of the things that was taught to us was that we're all dying. Again, I make a plea to you. Listen as dying people. Listen to one who is dying as well. And with that thought, knowing that that is the case, I want you to take note of three dying voices in this passage. The first dying voice we see in verse 39. (coughs) One of the criminals who were hanged with him railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Now the thing about crucifixion, it was reserved for a special lot. Those who were crucified were typically of more violent crimes. Violent crimes. These these are the murderers. Or these were slaves who were as nobody. Um, and they were disobedient, dishonoring in some form or some fashion. And so this execution, this form of execution was reserved for the worst lot. And so when you saw executions of, of crucifixion, then as a society you knew these were bad people. Very uh, violent or terrorist. Uh, sometimes the word insurrectionist used it. Just think terrorism. And you have a good idea. Um, a, a type of death, that, uh, a type of crime that hanging is, was too good, beheading was too quick, uh, using poisoning of some form is, is too painless. Uh, and so the crucifix was given. And so one thing you can have in your mind that these two that were with Jesus were bad. They were deemed worthy of the execution of crucifix are, are in that sense, unworthy uh, for this, this idea. And so when it says a criminal, it was a hated person. One of the criminals were hanged, railed at him, saying. Now the thing about crucifixion is that saying anything was quite painful. For anybody on a cross to say something, it required them to literally to give more of their life to say it. Uh, the, the death of a crucifix is, is one of typically uh, suffocation. You just can't breathe. Because to be able to breathe, 
would require you to, at some point, lift up on the nails that were piercing your hands or your feet. <coughs> and so to do so would cause great agony, pain, and blood uh, to come out. And for you to talk, you have to have breath. And so for you to say something, it would require them to be able to push up and to have more of their life force coming out, uh, to, to verbalize. And so when you hear someone saying something from the cross, this wasn't just idle chatter. They were expending their life to say it, literally. So what does a criminal say when he's nailed on the cross? What, what agony comes out, or what life force has been expended for him to say this. And so what does he say? The first dying voice, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. <coughs> what hits me is that he's asking Jesus to prove himself. If you're really the Christ, then show me right now. I think it is our tendency to want to ask God to prove himself to us. God, if you're really good, God, if you're really powerful, then certainly you will do this or make this happen in my life. Prove yourself to me, God. That's what this criminal is asking. But notice then he says, save yourself and us. Kind of help me out here, Jesus. If you're really the Christ, I've heard some things about you that you can do miracles. People are talking about this right in front of you. Uh, why don't you spend some of your miracle working power right now? I could sure use it. I don't have much future in front of me. I'm dying. But when he says that, it lets me know that he sees some things about himself. First, he sees himself as worthy of saying and doesn't believe that the crucifix is just. He's bringing that out. I, I don't need to be dying on the cross. This is all unjust, this, this type of execution. I have not warranted these things. This is all a mistake. Jesus, can you rectify this? I am worthy of being saved. It's something how uh, whenever someone's caught, no one likes to admit it, do they? You go to the prison, it's still the case that no one is really guilty in prison. No one ever says, you know what, I'm here because that's what's deserved of me. Everybody likes to think of themselves as better than they are. We always like to think of ourselves as, I'm, I'm basically a good person. I've got a good heart. I just don't know how to execute it every once in a while. I, I make mistakes. Mistakes, as if you intended something other than what you did. You need to understand, most everything that we do is because we intended that to happen. It does reflect our heart. And so he's just following suit, like everyone else, of just saying, you know, I, I don't deserve these things. Save myself. And so he sees himself as worthy of saying and doesn't believe he is just. Now, what, what else does he see? He sees Christ as the tool to save his world. He is the tool to save his world. 
Jesus, while you're at it, save me. It's interesting that as he is doing this, he is in unison with the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious rulers. They are saying the same thing. He is a vile, according to the Roman government, person. He is a, a, a villain. He is a delinquent, according to the government. He is worthy of death. Interesting. He sounds a lot like religious good people. Jesus, serve me for my purposes. How do you know when we are sounding the same? When religiously good people and people who are are vile, so to speak, in in most people's eyes, how is it that they're similar? They do the same thing and say, God wants you to serve me for my purposes. One is, let me do good, be good, act good, so therefore you must do all the things that are deserving of me because I'm so good. And the other is saying, you know what? I don't really care about serving you, but I'd like to be rescued every once in a while. And so you've got both of them coming together, and they have the same voice. Jesus, you're just a tool, and you serve my purposes. He is defying God. He is the voice of delusion. But notice, Jesus never speaks to him. Never says anything to him. Never acknowledges that he has said anything. I have a buddy of mine from school. Talked to him recently. Found out he was in the area and just kind of let me know. He said, I've got a deal going with God. I leave him alone and he leaves me alone. And I like it like that. The sad reality is that he may just get what he wants. And so, Jesus leaves this man alone. He doesn't even say anything. Because it's the voice of delusion. It's the voice of pride. I don't deserve this death. We keep on reading. Let me introduce you to the other dying voice. The second dying voice in verse 40. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? We indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. So I can't help but notice, he's talking a lot. He's putting a lot of energy out. This is causing a good deal of agony. He's rebuking the other dude. Two dying people, one's rebuking the other. But what does he say? He sees himself as guilty and that the crucifixion is a just and due reward. How rare is it to come across that person who says, you know, bad things are happening to me. But you know, to be honest, if I was really looking at what's due me, that much worse would happen in my life. Rare is that person, isn't it? Usually the response is, why are these bad things happening? 
that's typically of our reaction, isn't it? I mean, just be honest, when things happen to me, that's my natural go-to is, you know, God, what, 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 what did I do? <laughs> and God might just answer. The, the reality is when bad things happen, they are nowhere near what is deserving of my sin. But here this man is saying, I am dying on the cross in one of the most excruciating, agonizing deaths that could be. And he says, everything that's coming my way, I deserve. It is just. That I'm put on, and, and, and then he says the same thing about the dude on the cross. It makes me wonder, were they partners in crime? Did they, did they do crime together and say, you know, I know who you are. Don't fool yourself. Don't you fear God? You're about to see God. Don't lie to God. He, I know you. And I can, if you don't believe it, I, I know that we deserve this. And he says, not only does he say it about himself, he's saying it about him. You know what he's doing? He's witnessing. He's witnessing on the cross. One dying man to another dying man. What do we say? I'm a sinner. I've got evil in my heart. I was born that way. And I know that each one of us, that's true. It doesn't matter how we dress it up or how we try to make it up in some way and just say, I'm good enough and maybe it'll uh, outweigh all the bad things that I'm doing. It doesn't matter how dressed up you are. When it's all said and done, there's evil in our hearts and there is a, a sentence that awaits and he says it is a just sentence. It is a due reward of our deeds. You know what this is? This is the voice of humility. Whereas the other one was the voice of, of defiance, the voice of delusion. This is one of, of, not defiance, but fear of God. Not one of delusion, but one of humility. When he says, I'm just going to call it for what it is. I messed up and my tendency is go down this way. I've done this to myself. I have destroyed myself. And rest assured, that is our tendency. We will destroy ourselves with our own desires. The voice of humility, Jesus responds you want God to respond? You want him to speak to you? You do so with humility. And then he says, but this man has done nothing wrong. He sees Jesus as righteous. He expends his life. He bears up on the nails, tearing again, and he Puts that out. This man has done nothing wrong. I don't know what he knew about Jesus, but evidently he knew enough to say that. This guy is different. He is unique. He's not like us. You need to understand that as dying people. There's one who is vastly different from us. He's done nothing wrong, but yet he's on. The cross. Verse 42. He sees, he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He sees Jesus as king. Whose kingdom? Your kingdom. You have a kingdom, Jesus. And he sees him as a king that won't stop living. Notice what he says. 
when you come into your kingdom. What's he talking about? He's on the cross. He's now, he's not going anywhere. But he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He is making a statement of belief that says, this cross is not the end. I believe that you're coming to your kingdom. That Jesus is king that won't stop living. That's key. That's so key. Consider this. It is at this moment that this thief, this violent criminal that society deems as unfit to live, is perhaps now the only disciple of Jesus at this very moment. He believes more about Jesus at this moment than Peter does. Peter is just aghast at the fact that the Savior is on the cross, that Messiah is on the cross. He's denied him three times. He can't see any future beyond that, and he's run away. Judas was the one who betrayed him. All the disciples have scattered. John is there with Mary, but none of them are believing. He's going to outlive this. This man, and here's the thing, it doesn't matter how religious you are, how good you are. It is at this moment that what society says you're unfit to live is the one who's going to have the most life. Because he's the only disciple of Christ at this point. A thief on the cross. How ironic. Now read verse 43. Let's look at the last dying voice. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Every word done with agony, spit it out as best he could in choking breath. Didn't say anything to the first one, but responds to this voice of humility. Let me tell you not what Jesus sees, but let's look at what Jesus doesn't see. Jesus doesn't see his condemnation, but sees instead his reception with the king. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter the sin that is in your heart. The things that you know are there, the things that you go to, the, the idols you put up for your hope that are just ridiculous things. Things you're ashamed to admit. Things you don't like to admit to yourself. Jesus doesn't see that. When you come to him in humility and say, I deserve to be on the cross, but will you remember me in your kingdom? When you make that plea to him, Jesus no longer sees that. He sees instead a reception with the king. Your future has been changed. You want to talk about changing your future? It's not done just by Dave Ramsey talking about how saving your money changes your future. Friends, we're talking about changing your eternal future and how God sees you. Not by saving your money, but by saying, Jesus Remember me in your kingdom. And he doesn't see condemnation anymore. 
but instead a reception with the king. Jesus doesn't see his death, but his life. I mean, think about it. You're on the cross. <laughs> and Jesus says, well, today you'll be with me in paradise. I mean, what do you say to someone on the cross? You don't say, hey, will I see you anywhere? No, you're not going to be anywhere but where you're nailed. You're not going anywhere. You're not going to say, will I see you next week? No. And if you do, it's going to be very bad. It, Jesus says to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus doesn't see his death, but he sees his life. Listen, do you know what that means? When you're before someone that you know is dying, Jesus doesn't see it. That's not registering. It registers on us. I mean, those of us, we've, we've lost many people this past year. And, and we're dealing with the effect of that. Jesus never deals with the effect of that. He never, he never is absent from them. And they're, they're never absent from him. They're, he doesn't see the death. He sees life continuing on. A dying voice saying that to another dying voice and says, there's life. There's more life to come. Jesus doesn't see his death, but his life. Why? Well, Jesus doesn't see any of these because he sees his own life. This is, this is Jesus on the cross raising his bat and saying, over there. That's where I'm going. Take your best pitch. It doesn't matter what you throw. It's going over there. He calls it from his own cross. <laughs> You're going to be with me in paradise. So... 9 o'clock comes, or 12 o'clock, the hours go by. He breathes his last because it's finished. Maybe all the Pharisees and scribes are thinking, he was crazy to the end, wasn't he? Crazy dude. Good riddance. Causing too much damage. It'll make us lose our power. Get rid of him. Placed into a tomb. Then on that Sunday morning, which we read earlier, the tomb was not sealed up anymore by Roman soldiers. The stone was no longer there. No more seal upon that stone. It had been rolled away. And an angel is there to declare to those who are seeking, wondering, how can we take care of his body not believing Jesus on the cross, saying, today you'll be with me in paradise. Not acknowledging that. And saying, we've got to take care of the body. But the angel's saying, why are you here? This is where dead people are. Jesus isn't dead. He is risen just as he said. Just as he called it. Angels said, we watched it go out of the park. 
But you know how we are. We just don't tend to believe angels. It's too crazy. So Jesus shows up to Mary and some women. And he says, it's me. It's me. Go tell the other disciples and go tell Peter. We're going to go to Galilee. I'll meet him. Let him know. But you know how we are. We don't tend to believe a bunch of excited women. And so Jesus shows up before the men. (laughs) But you know how we are. We don't tend to believe what we see. And he says, touch me. Put your hands in the holes. Give me something to eat. Thomas falls to the ground and says, my Lord and my God. You caught it, Jesus. You caught it. Guess what that let me know. That tells me that there is some other crucified criminal that Rome says isn't fit to live. And he is in paradise with me. Today. Today, to this day, and for anyone else who will take on the same refrain of that dying man to say, this man has done nothing wrong, but we deserve to be on the cross. We deserve to be crucified. Are you able to say to yourself, you know what, it's too good for me to be beheaded. It's too good for me to be put in prison. It's too easy for me to be poisoned. deserve to be crucified are you able to say that most of us are not we are not able to say that unless God convicts us of our sin do you know that you've got sin in your life your hope is not that you're good enough it's just you're sure selling your sin to think that you're good enough to outweigh the evil in your heart Really? Do you understand that your sin is not against me? And it's one thing to slap me. It's another thing to slap the president. That doesn't go well for people. But we're not talking about presidents and world leaders. We're talking about God who created you. Do you understand that the insult of what you've done living for yourself before God... Is, is measured greatly by to whom it's against. And you think, well, I hope the good outweighs the bad. If you, if you slap the president, it doesn't matter how many times you kiss him. How much more our God. And for those of us who will be able to say, I deserve to be on the cross. It is just, it is right. I have sin in my life, but God, 
you have done nothing wrong. Your son has done nothing wrong, but yet he's on the cross and he did it for my sins. Will you remember me in your kingdom? Will you pray that? Will you not? It just hits me so much how the second criminal did not ask to be taken from the cross. He didn't ask to be delivered from the pain and sentence that he was in. But he asked instead to be remembered in God's kingdom. He cared more about God's kingdom than his own kingdom. Will you join in with the criminal's prayer and say, God, not my kingdom. Your will be done. Will you be king? Remember me in your kingdom. If you will pray that, if you will believe that, then there's a voice you can hear. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. I'm simply going to invite you to do that. We're all dying. We're all dying. And we can join in with either two voices of the criminal. And I, I know that if it happened with somebody on the cross, you ever heard someone say, well, you know what? Maybe when they're dying, they'll have a, a salvation experience. Both these men were dying. You know what changed it? Conviction upon their sin. Most people die the same way they live. Proud. Arrogant. Are humble. And seeking the mercy of God. There's two reactions. And every one of our dying voices is going to match with one of these dying voices. Which dying voice do you match with? I'm going to pray that you match with the second one. That you plead for mercy to know the power of his resurrection. The thing is about this resurrection as Jeff was bringing to our attention, it's not just when we die that we experience this resurrected life. As, as Steve Walker was bringing to our attention, it happens at the moment of our surrender before him. The resurrected life, what we call the Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit can then reign in our life. And as we surrender the Spirit of God, it is to say once again, remember me in your kingdom. I want to be in your kingdom, not in my own kingdom. Every time we submit to the Spirit of God, we're saying that. So why don't we pray together? If it is your heart to say, I want to make Jesus my Savior and my Lord, I invite you to pray with me. If it is your heart, you've already done that. I invite you to pray with me. It's like saying I love you again to God. It's a good thing to do. But let's all pray together. But God knows your heart. So express your heart to him. Bow as we pray.